This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I'm joined once again in studio with Jim Sebastio. Jim, welcome. Good to see you. Thanks, Brian. Great to see you. So we're going to dive into the topic in a moment. Let me mention just a couple of quick things before we do so. The first is, if this ministry has been helpful to you, as you come to the end of the year, would you go to practicalshepherding.com? And would you go to the donate button that's on the homepage there, click on it and leave a donation. It would really help us. We've got a lot of exciting things going on next year, but we need to know how much we have to fund it. So if you would give uh, even a small gift, if this has been helpful to you, if our ministry has helped you in any way, that would be a big help to us. If the podcast has been helpful to you, would you go to iTunes and write a review for us? It helps us just to learn and grow and helps spread the word about the podcast. And so I ask you to do that. And also another way you can help us is if is if this has been a help to you, we want it to be a help to others, would you share that link or the podcast to others on your social media link or blog or whatever you have? Uh, that would be helpful in spreading the word and letting people know about us and what we're, what we're trying to do. Here's what we want to do today, and that's tackle the topic of how does a pastor individually shepherd the flock? So we want to consider first, does the Bible even address that a pastor is supposed to shepherd individuals in certain ways, or if this is just more of a, a corporate effort. I bring this up because so many pastors, Jim, they, they feel the pressure to have to do all kinds of different things. And a lot of times, individuals shepherd, shepherding every single person in a certain way, right. very time-consuming, a lot of heart work, a lot of relational work, and a lot of guys either don't do it or don't think they're supposed to do it. So will you help us understand what the Bible addresses in the New Testament about pastors shepherding individuals? Uh, sure, Brian. I, I think there are certain texts that as pastors, if I can use rather graphic language, we ought to have tattooed on the inside of our eyelids so that That's you close your eyes and <laughs> see certain texts. Yep. And so among those things would be, you know, texts like preach the word. Uh, but Brian, it would also include a, a text like Hebrews chapter 13. Now, interestingly, this text is not addressed to pastors. It's addressed right. to the flock in regard to their relationship uh, to their pastors, and it's and it addresses them in a way that helps them understand what a pastor is to do and how they're to respond to it. And so it says in Hebrews thirteen seventeen, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning or with grief for that would be of no advantage to you, or a translation I often use is, this would be unprofitable for you. Yep. And so it says they watch over your souls, and so they are to recognize, every member of the flock is to recognize those leaders, those spiritual leaders are watching over my soul individually, and they're doing it as someone who is going to give an account, and they're going to give that account to God. Um, so there is the imagery in the scriptures of a, of a steward and of, of, the, of the master, and they're going to give an account for their stewardship. Our stewardship is not a stewardship of, of uh, vineyards or uh, productivity in that way, but rather it is the souls that are entrusted to us. Uh, so we also read in First Peter chapter 5 that we're to shepherd the flock, that is among us, that is our own flock, exercising the oversight, that is spiritual oversight. And then you have the many flock sh uh, shepherd texts, uh, John chapter 10, Jesus says the good shepherd, 
He knows his flock, knows his sheep by name. Uh, you have the matter of the shepherd going after the one flock, leaving the 99 and going after the one sheep that is uh, gone astray. And so I think you see in that a pattern of individual shepherding, pastors knowing their flock. Uh, it says in the book of Proverbs, know the state of your flock. You know, so we're to know the state of our flock, and that is spiritually. Yeah. And, and so what I see in that, Brian, and I think obviously you agree with this, this is one of our initial uh, our, uh, elements of our friendship, of our seeing in each other a kindred spirit in this, and then our other pastor friends as well, is this matter of being committed not just to faithfully preaching the Word of God Lord's Day by Lord's Day, uh, but but having a knowledge of our flock, caring for our flock. Now, we, we can deal with the difficulty that might come if you're listening to this and your flock is over 100 or it's 200, 300, 400. Uh, boy, how do, you, how do you go about doing that? Uh, I think, again, we come to this with the assumption that most of our folk uh, are, are going to be in a situation 100 or less uh, that we have to care for. And so maybe another topic would be, you know, how do you handle this when it's a larger church? But do we see this as our duty, our responsibility, our stewardship before God to know how our people are doing, the, the people of God entrusted to our care is what I mean by that. They're not ours. We didn't purchase them. We don't own them, but they're the Lord's people entrusted to our care how do we go about ensuring that we can face the day that we're going to give an account with a good conscience? Yeah, and I would add to that excellent explanation of what this paradigm is, is that when you take Hebrews 13, 17, and you combine it with 1 Peter 5, you have the call to shepherd on behalf of the chief shepherd. Right. So when I connect Hebrews 13, 17 to 1 Peter 5, I think we have a very clear paradigm for pastoral ministry, and that is this shepherding and shepherding individual souls, connecting to Hebrews right. 13. But it's on behalf of the chief shepherd. So that stewardship idea that you explained well is locked into both of those passages. And the stewardship is a stewardship the chief shepherd gives us to care for the souls that he has purchased. Right. And so this is a weighty and noble call. If you're listening to this and you don't get that, that this is the call of a pastor, right. you maybe need to think about doing something else. Right. Because that is the call of a pastor. And the conversation is about then how do we, if we are charged by the chief shepherd to care for individual souls, each right. soul, how do we do that? Right. So I'm just going to mention another text. Pay yep. careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. That's Acts yep. chapter 20, verse 28. Right. Paul's words to so the Ephesians, So you take right? care to yourself, right. and in that, and, and so you carry over that verb there with, and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer. So again, you have to see that as your identity. You have to know who that flock is, and you need to ensure care for them. So I think I want to put it into two categories, Brian. Okay. So the one is... Generally speaking, what are the areas or the categories of care that we're talking about? And then practically, how do you go about ensuring that you know where the flock is and you're, and you're ministering to them? So, Brian, I think that there are, there are some pastors who don't really know their flock well almost on any level. Yeah. Um, they're almost strangers to them. They build a little bit of a wall between them uh, and, and the flock. There is a public relationship 
it's in the pulpit. You let others, maybe the deacon. Uh, there used to be a, a deacon yoke fellow thing. I I remember going back years ago where the deacons had other people in the church to help shepherd the flock, and it was it was the pastor's duty just to preach. Interesting. But when we when you recognize that this is my responsibility, it's my duty yep. to care for the soul. So not just know how somebody's doing physically, not just know their name, not just know where they go to work, right, not just right. know if they're Kentucky or Louisville or uh, whatever it is. Are they like football, basketball? Are they a pro guy or a college guy? What's the biggest fish they ever caught? What's the best bowling score they've ever had? What what activities are their kids involved in? A lot of those things. Nice, to, Yeah, that you get to know somebody, you know those kinds of things about them. On a relational level, them. that's good, yeah. But what about the areas of their soul? And so, Brian, if you want me to start with that, or go, you want to start with that, ahead. so let me just ask, I could ask you, when you when you think about the issue of their soul, all right, so you asked me to go ahead, so I'll, I'll give you a little go bit ahead. of my understanding. Yeah. All right, so first of all, do I understand that this person who's a member of my, my, my flock has a, a genuine, living, vital relationship with Jesus Christ? Yeah, that's first. And, and so do you know if this person is even converted? And, mm-hmm. and, and on what basis do you, do you make that? Is it just that they you know, walked an aisle, made a profession, were baptized, and been a member for so long? Are there signs of spiritual vitality, spiritual life, are there any tokens that this person is to any degree, you know, heavenly minded with the recognition that in any flock, you're going to be pastoring healthy and unhealthy people, mature and immature people. And maturity is not necessarily a matter of how long they profess faith. You can have somebody that's been professing faith, a, a real believer, maybe for a year who is more mature than somebody who's grown up in a church and said they've been converted since they were five. Um, but is there, is there any sign that this is a person who loves the Lord, their God is trusting in Christ, loves others, has a heart for the church, has a heart for the things of God, that it's natural for them to speak about the matters of their soul, uh, that do they, do they pray? Are they in the word? Are they benefiting from the ministry of the word? And then also, you know, how that word is impacting and influencing their lives. If they're married, how's the word of God shaping their marriage? Mm. Um, so do, do you have an idea of the marital status of your, of your flock? And I don't mean by that whether they're married or single, but have you ever had a, a talk with them as a couple, eyeball to eyeball, eyeball to eyeball, where you say to the wife, do you have a confidence that your husband loves you as Christ loves the church when... Mm. If I were to be preaching Ephesians 5 and read that text, would you hear that with joy? Would you be wanting to dig your elbow into your husband's ribs? Would you hear that with weeping? Yeah. Uh, and husbands, do you have a sense of your wife's you know, love and respect and honor for you? Uh, how is it going in the rearing of your children? Uh, what's the? Do any of your kids profess faith? Uh, are there sins that you're struggling with? This gets into some very touchy issues, perhaps. But And Jim, before we go too far down the line, I, I want to highlight that where you started is where every pastor needs to start, is does someone truly follow Christ, right. and are they experiencing that in a, in a way that is, is helpful and bringing joy and peace? And you, know, you have, as a pastor of 27 years of a church you planted, you got to see every one of those individual members come in to the church. 
And but we need to also recognize that most pastors, I guess, who don't plant a church, uh, are inheriting exactly. the membership. So right. as is in the midst of trying to care for people's souls, I get this question a lot from pastors. They go into a church, there's, you know, 80, 90, 100 members. They don't know any of them. They're trying right. to get to know them. So there is, whether you're starting at a church plant level like you did and still having to, to walk people through those kinds of things or having to backtrack many years, it, it doesn't change the fact that you still have to establish this. So your first year at the church should be getting to know people and hearing their testimony of how, right. how they follow Christ. So that's the place to start. Right. And then as you started moving into those other areas, they start to build on that. Exactly. So you get to know you get to know people, and and there's there's great intentionality on certain aspects of this, and other things it's it's a side benefit. So again, maybe uh, a guy in the church, you're trying to get to know him. And so you're going to go out. Uh, I've never done this, but they're going to go duck hunting with a guy. Then you, and that time uh, driving there, the, the, the hours spent in the blind, you're getting to, to know, you're getting to know something of the burden of the guy. You know, he just uh, casually, you're getting to know him. Mm. That may lead to more specific aspects of, of, um, of, of getting to know where they're at spiritually. You hear things, kind of, you know, put it into the mental file. But as we have a job, more broadly speaking, of, of praying, giving ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word, you want to know, well, how do I pray for this person? So one of the things we did, we had our elders retreat last week, and one of the things we do, I have, there, I have three other elders in the church, we spent hours praying for every member of the flock. And so we would break it into, because there's four of us, into categories of four, uh, but we would then talk about those four families or those four couples or whatever it was before we would then pray for them individually. Now we try to do that in our part of our elders meetings and spread that out throughout our you know yearly elders meetings but we have one time a year where we get together but it's our time to really all intentionally say where do you, where is so and so where do you think so and so is what do you think their needs are how can we pray for them uh, what's your level of concern for them are you alarmed about anything you see in them their, their marriage is a mess their kids are a mess uh, there's they're struggling with anxiety they're struggling with depression they're struggling with lack of assurance. But what my, my thought is that as elders, we should know that, that that ought to yeah. be on our radar. And if we don't know that, then to, to that degree, we're not really shepherding the flock entrusted to us, and we're not ready to give an account for them. Yeah. And I, I would I would add to that, I like to see that there's a balanced approach in caring for individual souls. And you hit on both, but I just want to, I want to highlight the two sides you mentioned, that both are valuable. You you want to know each individual person, mm-hmm. and so you want to know those. You want to know those those things up, you know who their sports team is and what's their favorite food and right. and you know what coffee they drink and all that kind of stuff. But um, if if they drink coffee, but that <laughs> maybe a matter of church discipline. That's another if they don't. Right. But you want to know uh, your individual people and and what their lives are about that maybe don't have a spiritual component. You want to know those things to a degree, I think, to be able to open the spiritual conversations right. to have. So one of I see pastors err on both sides, and, and this is imbalanced. You got 
what you alluded to earlier, and that's the guy who will go and sit at a ball game with you and love talk baseball and sports and and really connect in that way, and then have absolutely make no effort spiritually to try to yeah. Talk never to them. ask you about your relationship with the Lord. Never find out about whether they're right. in the Word. Never find out if they're profiting from the ministry. Or... But I also am not convinced that when Richard Baxter went to every home to catechize his members, that he didn't launch into the catechism first thing. I'm assuming that he probably had some things that he talked about their life to hear about how they're doing and things. Right, yeah, so, they have a child that's ill or a child that's just died or, yeah. you know, is that going to come up or the man's lost his work or, yeah, you so know, those things are going to come up. And I want to stress that there's got to be a balance because there's got to be a trust that's built to enter into the spiritual conversation, right. but that both have to take place. Yeah, so that may, begins to get into the second category. So I think the first category is is to ask what are the categories of care and concern what what is it what does soul care look like what are the areas that i believe one day if the lord is going to i'm going to give an account for you know uh, ralph hall uh, who's now passed on to be with the lord or uh, or somebody else in the church brother daryl or brother fred and to what degree ought i to be understanding and probing. So a doctor is going to, frankly, he's going to look at certain orifices. He's going to stick a light down or stick his finger in or take a a, a tongue depressor. Mm. What are the spiritual equivalents of looking in the eyes, looking in the ear, looking up the nose, saying, ah, or frankly, bending over? uh, Thanks for that image. Yeah, yeah, horrifying, perhaps, but... (laughs) But, I mean, seriously, genuinely spiritually probing so that maybe you're going to ask the, the guy the question of, all right, so tell me about your Internet usage or tell me about, you know, are, are you battling uh, in the area of lust? Uh, you know, you've mentioned this girl at work an awful lot. And, and, and you know, or I, I see you, uh, you know, you uh, were friends on Facebook. Yeah. And I see you there, your arms around this girl or that girl, and it's not your wife. And, and I'm just, is this an area of struggle for you? Or, yeah. uh, and, and really getting in where he can't just say, oh, yeah, no, 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 I'm good. Uh, think- that you, is that okay? Is that overly intrusive? Is that too heavy handed? Or is that the kind of area that the Lord in, in, intends that we, that we have some idea? How are they in their home? How are they maritally? How are they spiritually, how are they doing morally, uh, that those are areas we take in our prayer life and that inform our public and private use of the Word in shepherding these people unto heaven. Yeah, I think there's no rule. I think that's what we need to establish. But what we can agree on is that there's definitely a level of that that we have to know and that we need to know to be able to care Mm -hmm. for them spiritually well. Where that line is, I think it's going to be different for everybody as far as my my own opinion of it. But right. And I think it also depends on, this is really important, the balance between feeling the weight of your responsibility as a shepherd who will give an account to the chief shepherd for this individual soul, how much do I need to know about them mm-hmm. and their life, and how much are they willing to tell me? Right. And, and so there is an element. So when the question, what's meddling? Well, a lot of times meddling's about how much are they willing to tell you and not tell you. And as long as they're not keeping like sinful behaviors from you that would be disastrous for their soul, I do think there's a give and take with those things. The point in all this, uh, in this, in a in a short podcast, is that we we establish we have to know our people individually. So we don't so we don't just know the husband 
and the father of a family. Right. We've got to know his wife. We've got to know his kids to right. some degree. So so we've got to be mindful of the individual aspect to it. And you also hit on something, Jim, that I think is helpful, and that's you have a system in place yes. that you and your elders walk through Correct. to to facilitate you knowing your people. And, right. I, and I want to just take a minute and advocate for that. Uh, I, I have a prayer guide that I created years ago to where the whole membership is created is divided up in a month's time. Right. And every day I prayed for a certain person, for certain three or four or five right. families. And that helps me not only pray for them, but ask the question, do I know what's going on in their life? Right. When was the last time I checked on them? Right. And it, it symbolizes this idea that if we're going to give an account for individual souls, not just the whole congregation, our prayer life should inform that we have that conviction. Right, so that we're not just saying, you know, God bless so-and-so, God bless so-and-so, God bless so-and-so, and our prayers are not simply uh, what I call emergency prayers. Billy has a test today. John's going for a job right. interview. Susie's right. got a root canal. Uh, but that, Lord, you know, Susie's, I won't, you know, let her know the love of Christ that passes understanding. John's been downcast in recent days. Draw near to him. Help them to know. Uh, that you're near. Uh, Billy's admitted to you know struggling in his his uh, in his life of purity. Heavenly Father, uh, grant him a, a healthy sense of your fear. Whatever the case might be, that our our knowledge of them is informing our prayers. Uh, and and so I think Brian, what we want to ask, and because again our time is limited, so how do you go about getting to know people? In that way, how do you create an environment where you can ask those kinds of questions? Yeah. How, do, how have you and your elders gone about doing that? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I, I think you have to know your people well enough to then know what atmosphere is going to help them open up to you in that way. Okay. So older folks in the congregation, I had to learn. I had to go on their turf and go in their house or go where they are. Some of the most spiritual conversation I had with older folks who didn't know how know how to do that well was in their garden, or it was walking a track with them, or it was going out to lunch with them, mm-hmm. or or sitting in their living room where they're comfortable. For somebody who's younger, it's it's being able to have a spiritual conversation um, in a coffee shop somewhere, okay. or uh, you know, throwing a throwing a ball or something right. like that. I mean, so I part of, that's what's ironic about this is. To get to that place where you can hear from people in these spiritual ways, you have to know them well enough to know even that part to have studied what are they comfort where are they comfortable to talk about these kind of things. Right. So the and they other, trust you well enough too to to be able to open their heart. And that's the thing you're making a. Con- that's the thing I think people miss so often is how much just presence right. ministers to people. Right. And so to go where they are most comfortable and willing to be open and right. feel safe is going to help you in that. So keep that in mind. The other thing I would throw out there is that uh, I try to have, I try to think about the carousel into a couple of different categories, and this is how I try to have conversations with people. One is just in the area of spiritual disciplines that you're talking mm-hmm. about. How's the Word ministering to you? How's your prayer life? You know, the, that aspect of the of discipline. But there's a whole other important category I think we miss as pastors, especially as Reformed guys, too. And that's the, the idea of, of Christ's presence in our life and him feeling near to us mm. and involved. And a lot of times that revolves around our fears, our, sp- our struggles, our anxieties. Right. When we get angry, 
How do we have a hard time trusting? So I, I kind of weigh them out in those two areas. It's almost like the experiential side of Christianity and the, the, the spiritual disciplined side of Christianity. And and both of those matter to the soul. How about you, Jim? And this kind of a, we'll yeah, wrap it up with real your quickly. Yeah. So, I mean, there's formal and informal. So informally, I try to get with folks as often as I can, you know, so I look at my week and I think, okay, who can I get with? And I grab a guy I haven't you know, spent any time with in a while and just grab breakfast with him. And, mm. and a lot's going to come out in that conversation. So that's the men or the young guys in the church or the men. Right. But then there's the formal, and that is we try to have a time at least once a year where each of the elders meets with every member unit or family unit in the church to have what we we call an oversight visit. And that is that's like good. that's like a doctor's visit. Yeah, that's that's, that's like the annual physical. And that is to ensure, uh, so how are we doing? And then we we collate or share that data. So, I mean, because of yeah. the technological age in which we live right now, we share that with one of the elders whose job it is to keep track of those things, or there's a Google Doc thing that we can then log into and say, okay, I met with Gordon and Shirley on uh, on Tuesday night, and yeah. these are the areas we discuss. These are ways we can pray for them. These are things that are encouraging. These are things that they're struggling in so that the other elders are informed about that. And then when we get together, we can then pray. Yeah. And I, I think that's a, I mean, that's really a helpful model that you just, it's a modern day, I think application of, of Baxter and what he tried to do in going house to house and caring for folks. In and and then also sh- should say with that, Brian, that not only do the elders anticipate that, but the flock anticipates it so that right. they know and coming in to the, into the membership, that every year at least, but it doesn't have to just be that time, but that um, there's at least one formal time a year that you have access to your elders. You can share the things, your burdens, cares, concerns, problems with the church, problems with the leadership, whatever it might be. Yes. Uh, but you know, how's your relationship with the brethren? How's your relationship with your elders? Are you profiting from the word and from the worship? Do you feel neglected? Do you feel a part of things here? so that we have our finger on that pulse. Yeah, so as we wrap up this episode, we want to emphasize there's all kinds of ways to go about that. What Jim articulated, I think, is very helpful. They have a good model of doing that. And my last word on this is that if you find, if you try to do this and you find people resistant, uh, there can be many reasons, but one thing to keep in mind is most Christians in local churches historically have not been pastored well in this way. Right. So you are training your church to have that expectation. And like Jim said, the congregation expects this because they know about it, hopefully right. even look forward to it, but it's going to take time. You really will have to train and teach people to actually have this expectation. I find it interesting to bring this full circle. Hebrews 13, 17, like you said, is written to the Christians about how their leaders are to be caring for them. Right. Let them do this with joy. Yeah, because right. there'd be no profit for you in, right. in doing this, but this is their responsibility. Right. This is your advantage. We want to show them that. So that, I think that means we don't take advantage of this information. Yes. We don't abuse this information. They know right. that we can that they can safely share uh, where they're at spiritually. So there's obviously much we could say on this, but we're going to wrap this up by pr- I want to pray for each of you as you're listening to this, brothers. If you're if you're a pastor in particular listening to this. I want to urge you that this should define your ministry and all that you do is that you have a calling to shepherd individual souls and give an account to Jesus for them. So I'm going to pray that God will burden your heart and will and it will create a lot of joy in your ministry as you do it. So let's pray. Lord, would you help 
these brothers who are listening to this, who are those who are pastors and have that weighty and noble calling to give account for individual souls to Jesus. Lord, help us all as we do that, to take it seriously, to feel the burden of it, that we would take it seriously, and yet experience the joy that you have designed in it as we walk in it. Lord, give us perseverance in doing this work that's hard and oftentimes thankless, but we know that it pleases you. And we ask, Lord, that every pastor listening to this, every even leader that would be listening to this, you would empower them that this would define their pastoral ministry throughout the years. And you would do it to build your church and ultimately care well for your sheep. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.